mentioned before uh, showed the video that uh, Tim Shong and Worthingla have four girls, and so that's why they're praying for a boy. He's he is actually in line to be the chief of his clan, and I think it's important to have a boy if you're going to be the chief of your clan. So that's that's why he's 51. Amazing having child number five at 51, uh, and planning to have more, by the way. But anyway, that's that's an, that's for Father's Day, I guess. That's that's a couple weeks. Um, we're wrapping up the series today, as Alex said. Uh, we've been looking at how Jesus helps us bounce back from anything. And the secret we've been looking at, digging into, is in the words that you find in the Bible. Six R-E words. R-E words that teach us how to bounce back. The, the prefix R-E means to go back. We looked first week uh, on Easter at the resurrection to go back and connect with a new power source that Jesus is and provides. Repentance, go back and admit the truth. Rebirth, go back and get a new life. Redeem, go back and let Jesus pay for your past. Last week, reconcile, go back and bring together, go back and reconcile relationships and bring things together that have been messed up. And today, we're going to look at rejoice, which it may... It may seem out of place when you're talking about dealing with downturns in life and difficulty, but rejoice means to look back with joy. Joy is something that we experience in the moment or as we're looking forward to something we're anticipating that's going to be great fun or a really good event or whatever it is, something we're expecting. We find joy in that. Rejoicing looks back on something with joy. And it may seem strange that we're told in the Scripture to rejoice over the downturns in life. Uh, This is not normal. (laughs) Not a normal reaction to rejoice over the downturns. But this is is what we're told to do in the Bible. And, and, And as with everything else, when we're told to do it in Scripture, we have good reason to do it. It's just not normal. You know, hey, life is unraveling. Let's throw a party. Not not. I've just lost my job. It's time to celebrate. Um, you know, I just heard the worst news I've had in a decade. Rejoice. That, that seems so absurd to do that. Um, and first time I read the passages we're looking at today, they made no sense to me at all. I, they, they just really didn't, didn't click. But I've learned as I've walked with God for years now, I've learned that there really is reason to rejoice over suffering um, because of what God can do in the suffering. In fact, pain and suffering provides a real opportunity. The downturns in life, we don't change much when we're stagnant or we're just sitting there living in our rut. We don't really change a lot, but when trouble enters our life, God can do some things in the midst of that that he, he can't accomplish any other way. And there are reasons for that don't have time to go into. But what happens is God allows the downturns in life so we'll bounce. If I remembered my Super Bowl that I had brought with me a couple weeks, if I had remembered it, I plan to set it on the ground here. And Mitch, so imagine that there's Super Bowl on the ground, you know, those balls that bounce really high. The Super Bowl is not going to sprout wings and fly, is it? It's just not going to do that. But if I picked it up 
and threw it down, it would bounce. It would bounce as high as the force I threw it down with. That's how we are. If we're just sitting there, things are the same. We're in our rut. We're in our routine. We, we don't change. It's just the way we are. But when we face a downturn, we bounce. We begin to grow. Things, we have an opportunity to really change. So when God decides to move us to a new level of growth, it almost always involves a downturn, a struggle of some kind. Just sitting still, we don't grow. And God refuses, God refuses to make growth happen for us, something he won't do. He, he wants us to choose because it's not a real relationship if we don't have the freedom to choose whether or not we're going to stay the same, go his way, or change, or whatever we're going to do. So God allows the downturns in our life to help us grow. In fact, the first sin that was ever committed by human beings, by Adam and Eve, first man and woman, it is referred to as the fall of mankind. We looked at this the first week. Uh, it's, it's referred to as the fall because that's the consequence that God wired into rebellion against him. And his hope is that as, as we fall, when we hit the ground, we'll look to him as we experience the pain and the cons- consequences. He's, he's hoping that we'll bounce by looking to him, by admitting we, we can't do it our, on our own. We can't do it our own way. We'll turn uh, around. But if we choose the wrong response in the midst of trouble, we don't bounce. And if we're not careful, it could be the first of many falls, Uh, especially if we stiffen our neck. That's one way the scripture describes it. We stiffen our neck like a horse. You're trying to guide a horse. You take the reins and you pull the bit in his mouth and you try to steer him a direction. Well, a horse, a stubborn horse will stiffen their neck so you can't turn their neck and so they don't have to turn. Scripture describes that as we're experiencing trouble, God, God's trying to work, he's trying to use the trouble to change us, we can stiffen our neck in pride and refuse to learn from it. If we do that, we won't bounce. We, we won't change. It could be the first of many falls. Because God, God says, Scripture says, God opposes the proud. So we want to we wanna stay flexible before him and allow him to change us. If we respond wrongly by choosing depression or bitterness or just getting angry over what's going on, we also don't bounce. We've talked about that in this series. So the key to turning a fall into an opportunity for growth and into actual growth is in the word rejoice. And the question is, will you view this problem, this difficulty as an opportunity, or are you going to allow it to keep you down? Are you going to see the opportunity in it? My, my thought is, life is full of downturns. It's full of difficulty. It's full of painful experience. It's full of suffering. With God, you have the opportunity to grow through it. Without him, you're on your own. And it just is something that is wasted. So God doesn't want to waste these opportunities. He, he wants to help us walk through them. So he allows the downturn so we'll bounce. And the height of our bounce is determined by the choices we make in the midst of it. 
the, the, the things that we do and the, choice, the way we respond to God and what's going on around us. So we're going to dig into a passage of Scripture today that lays out the process that God uses to grow good things in us in the downturns of life. We're going to look at some key choices uh, in this process, as, and we're going to look at them as levels of bounce. If we balk at any level along the way, we don't experience the bounce that God intends. So we're going we're gonna to talk about what that looks like. The process and these levels are described in Romans 5, 1 through 5. Verse 1 and 2, this is what they say. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this is the backdrop to the bounce that Jesus has been, that we've been looking at and that Jesus gives. He provides everything that's needed to really bounce back. If, if we reach a place in our life where we admit the truth about ourselves, that we've rebelled against God, that we've sinned, and we repent, which means to do a 180, you're going your own way and you, you admit, God, I've been rebelling, I've been living life my own way, I re, I'm repenting, I'm turning around, and I'm going to live life your way. If we reach that point, then we're giving, given what we really need to bounce in life, everything we need. It's, it's all given to us. That's what this passage is describing here. If we reach a place in our life, then we get what we need. The levels of bounce that we're looking at are only possible for those who've decided to give themselves to follow Christ in faith. The, the, the faith that justifies us. So here's, here's two things that we need in order to bounce back to the highest level that we see in this passage here. First one is faith. That justifies us. We choose that. We choose faith. To be justified means to be proven innocent. And there are two options when we're trying to get justified, when we're trying to justify our actions, or when we're trying to prove ourselves innocent. Look at what I did, or look at what I'm doing, look what I've done, and we try to justify ourselves to, to make ourselves right that way. Or the other is to say, look at what Jesus did. Look at what he's done to pay for my sin. Look at what he's done to justify me. There are two options. When you choose the faith option and you trust what Jesus has done to pay for your sin, you have peace with God. Very very important foundation, very important net to fall back on. If you don't settle this and completely trust Christ for your forgiveness and justification, then what happens is you don't get past square one. You spin your wheels, and you get stuck. You stay at ground zero. You don't bounce because you're always asking that question, how can I get justified? How can I, am I okay? How can I make myself okay? And you're always working to make yourself okay when if you just trust Christ, you will be okay. He makes you okay. He, by faith, you're justified, and you experience peace with God. Second, when you put your faith in Christ, you, you get peace and you're given access to the grace of God. Crucial thing to have. Hebrews describes God's throne as the throne of grace. That we, Jesus gives us access to the throne of grace. And this is a real help in the downturns of life. Because 
Grace is God's power applied to your sin and problems. That's what it means. We, we, in, in Scripture, there's this sense that as you go through life, as you blow it, as you experience, as you have weaknesses, grace is what God gives and he applies it. If you trust him, if you walk by faith, he gives it to you and, and it's, it's a real help. Forgiveness brings peace. That comes through faith. Grace is given and builds on forgiveness to bring beauty out of the ashes, to really help us build and grow from there. That's what Jesus promised in his first, his first public appearance to his hometown crowd that we looked at on Easter. He promised that he would bring beauty out of the ashes that we've made of our lives, that he would, he would grow good stuff in it. And so grace is something he gives that's like a safety net, the safety net of a trapeze artist. You know, I mean, if you're a trapeze artist, that safety net's important. Without it, a fall is something to fear. Same in life. Without the safety net of the grace of God, a fall is something to fear, and you cannot rejoice over it. But with it, he catches you, he gives you the power to deal with it, and helps you walk through it. Without God's grace under you, bouncing back is nothing but a pipe dream. It's wishful thinking. But with the grace of God, we, we really can bounce back. So here's how it works. When we trust the Lord, the fall becomes an opportunity to bounce. We choose faith, and God provides grace. This is the safety net we need to deal with the downturns of life. Now we're going to look at the rest of the passage that describes these levels of bounce. It says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So level one is suffering. First level. And the key question is, will I accept it? Am I going to accept the suffering? Am I going to rejoice in it? No normal human being, if you give them a list of the day's activities, you know, are, no normal human being is going to choose suffering. Yeah, that's the one I want right there. I mean, if, if you choose suffering, you're not normal. That is abnormal. Because we want to be happy. But the amazing thing is, in the midst of suffering, if you'll put your faith in God and learn to walk with him through the process, you can experience tremendous joy. Because God applies his grace in the midst of the sin and weakness, and he gives a tremendous amount of help. Now, there's a spectrum in response to suffering. On one side, anger and despair you're, you're, you're looking, you, you resent it, you resent the suffering, you become angry about it, and you look for anyone that you can blame for what's going on. And if you can't find a person to blame, it's very easy to begin to blame God. On the other end of the spectrum uh, is a kind of a stoic acceptance, where you're just kind of numb to what you're experiencing. You just become numb and Maybe you even deny the reality of the suffering that you're going through. You just sort of wall off your emotions, and 
you keep moving on with life. You just do the details. You go through the routine. And you're not really dealing with it. You're not letting it affect you. But the key to the bounce is to rejoice, to feel what's going on, to let it get to you, and then to deal with it. By faith, we can rejoice over what God can and will do through the difficulty. In fact, what you have to do is you decide that one day I'm going to look back on this suffering with gratitude for what God's done through it. God's grace only shows up at the scene of a fall or at a sign of weakness. This is the only place, this is where it's needed, at the scene of the fall or a sign of weakness. If we never admit our weaknesses, if we never admit our sin, we never experience the grace of God because it's not needed, it's not, it's not applied. Now, rejoicing is not our normal response to trouble. We have to learn it. We have to learn to rejoice. And um, the way we learn it is we think it over. We look at what's going on. We think about it. We think it over. We apply faith to it. And then we, we add experience. And it's helpful to choose to rejoice over suffering if you've been through the experience, this process that we're laying out here a few times with God as you've trust him through it. It's helpful to go through the process with God and find out for yourself that he actually does use suffering for good. In lieu of having the experience yourself, you can borrow from other people's experience. That's the way it is in life. You can learn from their experience. So listen to what James says. He says almost the same kind of thing that we've been looking at in Romans. It says, James 1, 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. A friend of mine says that when, you, when you're suffering, you have to trust that it's dark because God is taking you into a gold mine. And in that gold mine, he plans to use your suffering for your growth and for your good. You have to, that's where you have to apply faith. So God uses suffering as a catalyst for change. And we have to accept it. Not resent it, not fight against it, or not just deny it. We have to accept that this is going on. Level two is perseverance. And the question is, will I endure it? If you resent it or try to reject the suffering and don't accept it, you don't get to this level. You're stuck at ground zero. And you don't reach level two. You don't really even get to level one. This word for perseverance in the Greek that this was written in originally means um, to remain under. It's the word hupomone is a transliteration into English, but it means to remain under. And the idea is this, that when you are under the weight of suffering, you stay there. And don't try to squirm out of it in the wrong way. You stay under the weight of suffering and you try to bear up under it in a way that brings honor to God. You don't try to squirm out of it. You bear the weight of it. Here's an interesting thing about the way that life works. Uh, The Greek word that's used for suffering in this passage means pressure. And 
Pressure is something that's created in confined spaces, like a tire. You know, we have air pressure inside of a tire, and that's, that's how pressure is. It's created in, in tight spaces. Commitments in life bring pressure, uh, a kind of suffering that weighs on us. Commitments like a job, a mortgage, a marriage, or having kids, or commitments to serve and participate in church life. I mean, it seems like it should be easy to help. But boy, you you commit to, to serving and helping in church life. You commit to being in a marriage. You commit to your job and... It's hard to keep those commitments. It's, it weighs on you. They, they, they actually, commitments create walls to your life. And most suffering occurs inside of those walls. The walls of commitment. Just commit to a dating relationship. What happens? Major risk for pain if there's a problem or if there's a breakup. Major pain potential in the side of a, inside of a dating relationship. Have kids, and the pressure builds. Because what happens when they hurt, you hurt worse. When they're struggling, you're, you're really in pain. And just the pressure of parenting, you know, you have to limit yourself. If you're going to parent well, you have to limit your own freedom to do, do what right by your kids. This is the way it is. Make a commitment to church life. There can be difficulty in pulling that off. Now, what some people do is they decide the problem is commitment. And so I'm going to pull back from being committed to anything. Others bail on commitments when the pressure starts to build. And when it starts to increase, they just bail. And they literally either run away or they just pull back emotionally, and they check out in the midst of all this. The problem with having no commitments or the problem with bailing out on your commitments is this. The greatest joys in life are found inside the walls of your commitments. That's where the greatest joy is going to come from. If if we allow him, God uses our commitments to grow us and change us. And especially the suffering that occurs, the pressure that occurs inside the boundaries of these commitments. God uses that to grow us. If we bail out and don't allow the suffering to run its course, then we miss out on the greatest joys that God intends for our lives. We, we just completely miss it. If, if, if we'll persevere... Remain under the weight of our suffering. God will use it to unwind harmful patterns that we've developed over time. And he'll use it to bring us to a place where we can experience a deep joy in knowing the way, the, what we've seen him do and the way we've lived our lives. But only if we remain under, only if we persevere and by faith let him provide the grace to make it through. Level three, that's level two. Level three, character. The question here is, will I really change? After perseverance, character comes. It grows out of, it grows into character. Perseverance does. Character describes the patterns of our lives, the the patterns of what we do and say. It's the things we 
value inside the things that we're committed to that show up on the outside. Here in this passage, the word character particularly refers to character that's proven. It's been tested by experience. And in our world, scientific method is highly valued. It's very important to us. And in the scientific method, you start with a hypothesis. You conduct experiments to test the hypothesis, which is an idea about reality. If enough experiments support the hypothesis, then the idea turns into a theory. Over time, if there's no real challenge to the theory, it eventually becomes a scientific law, like the, the laws of physics. It's just this is the way reality is. Well, our character reveals what we believe are the, li- the laws of life and the way we should be living. Suffering brings these laws to the surface. The experience of suffering. Notice experience and experiment are from the same root word. God changes us by bringing the experience of suffering into our life to test us. We're the experiment. We're in the middle of the experiment. We're in the middle of the laboratory. And life is a laboratory. If we persevere in the suffering, and we learn to respond the way God wants us to based on what we find in the Bible, in His Word, His truths found in Scripture. If we learn that and we apply by faith what He's told us about the situation or the response to the suffering that we're going through, then we discover a whole new way to live. We develop a whole new pattern for living. And we begin to really change. But the, the, the thing is, you and I, we have to prove this for ourselves. We test God's truths in the laboratory of life. When you read the Bible or listen to a message like we're doing, like you're doing here, uh, you learn ideas. They're like hypotheses. Hypotheses about making decisions or clearing up relationships or handling finances. There's all kinds of things the Bible speaks to every area of life. The only way... These ideas are going to help you is if you apply them in everyday life, if you live them out. You have to prove them for yourself. You have to persevere in doing right. It's not going to be easy. You have to decide to do it. You have to persevere. You have to hang in there, keep moving toward it. And if you persevere, you prove them because God comes through. He has made life to work the way he says in Scripture. And over time, the ideas move Toward theories, then they become laws, and they show up in your character. This is the way you live. But this all starts with suffering. This is just because of the way we are, the way we're wired. It's, it's not something we want, suffering. But it's very productive if we let God use it for his purpose in our lives. That's level three. Level four is hope. The question is, will I live for heaven or earth? Our hope is what we're looking forward to that guides our choices and decisions and responses in life. Romans 5.5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Our, Our problem is that we tend to put our hope in something on earth, and that disappoints us. We we The Bible calls any hope other than God a false hope. So if you put your hope there, 
If you anchor your hope in something here on this earth, you get disappointed. Your career, your family, your spouse, your friends, your savings. And boy, do we know the stock market is a dangerous thing to put your hope in. The U.S. economy, we've learned over the last few years, don't put your hope there, you'll get disappointed. These are false hope. God gives us a hope that does not disappoint us. We get the first taste of this hope when we decide to follow Christ. When you decide to follow Christ, he pours his love into your hearts, and that's like a down payment for what we're going to experience in the future. Problem is, after we come to Christ, we tend to drift toward false hopes. As we're disappointed, the important thing to do is, as you experience disappointment, as you put your hope in the wrong place, as you experience disappointment, let that draw you back to God, the only real hope. He's the only one you can count on. So Jesus wants to give us the power to bounce back from anything. That's what we've been looking at in this series. If we will submit to him in this process that we've looked at in Romans 5, we can bounce back to the highest levels. We can have hope. We can experience hope in the, the worst times of our lives because our hope's not in what's going on here. Our hope is in him. We can learn to rejoice in the worst kind of suffering because of the good God does in our hearts through it. And we can adopt God's ways that will bring the greatest return. I want to wrap up the message this morning by asking you to think through your next steps like I always do. Please take out your connection card if you would. Uh, There's some suggestions on the back of that connection card of next steps you could take. Here here they are. Uh, You could thank God for a downturn in your life that he can use for good. Maybe not real excited about the suffering you're going through, but God can use it. So thank God that he can use it. Rejoice in it as you're going through it. Make or renew a commitment. Maybe you've pulled back. Maybe there's a commitment you know you need to make. Maybe that commitment's to the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're ready to the you're at the point where you've investigated what it means to follow Christ and you're ready to follow him. For the first time I've decided to accept Jesus as my savior and follow him as Lord. That's another step you could take. In a moment we're going to receive our offering. I'd like to ask you to take the time to fill out your next steps or any other information on that card you haven't had a chance. And when the offering ushers come by, uh, drop drop that card in the offering basket. If you're a first-time guest with us today, really glad you're here. Uh, We have a book for you. As you go through those double doors on the left, there's a table with a book called The Case for Christ. We'd love for you to take that, and hopefully you'll find that helpful. Um, Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for... Your truth that sets us free, really, if we'll live it and apply it. Father, help us to to learn to take one step after the other in following you and doing what brings honor and glory to you in responding to trouble, responding to suffering, turning to you and uh, learning to, to follow in the way that you've shown us in your word. Give us the power to take these steps that you've laid on our hearts, God. Uh, to your glory and power. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.